Welcome to the Greater Church Podcast. We are praying that wherever you find yourself on the journey, that this message will be an encouragement and blessing to you. And now, here's today's message. Hey, today I'm reading from Acts chapter 3, verses 1 through 10. And it says, now Peter and John went up together to the temple at the hour of prayer. They went to church, somebody. The ninth hour, 3 p.m. How many of y'all like to go to church at 3 p.m.? <laughs> Three of y'all. <laughs> and a certain man, lame from his mother's womb, was carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, which is called Beautiful, to ask alms or to ask for money. From those who entered the temple, who, seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple asking for money, fixing his eyes on him John and Peter said look at us so he gave them his attention expecting to receive something from them then Peter said silver and gold I do not have but what I do have I give you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth rise up and walk and he took him by the right hand and lifted him up and immediately his feet ankles bones received strength so he leaped up he stood and walked and entered the temple with them, walking, leaping, and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God. Then they knew that it was he who sat begging alms at beautiful gate of the temple. And they were filled with wonder and amazing at what had happened to him. Hey, over the next few minutes, I want to speak to you from this idea. I hope you're taking notes. Simply titled, um, which I believe is the title of the entire series. I'm culminating with the self-title. Hello, my name is Revival. Hello, my name is Revival. Come on, let's pray. Um, Father, we love you. We thank you for this opportunity that we have, Lord Jesus, to just be able to lean in and spend some time with you. Father, we're so grateful for everything that has happened over the last few weeks, Lord, but we're not satisfied. Um, there is more. As long as hell is a real thing, as long as heaven is a real thing. Father, the job of the church, Lord God, is on assignment, it's on mission. And Father, the violent take it by force, Lord. And so, Father, I pray, Lord, that you would light fires, that you would fan flames, Lord, and that today we would walk out of here, Lord God, with an understanding of our assignment, Lord God, but also with a desire, a zeal to watch lost people, broken people come back to you, Lord. Father, I thank you for everything that you've done so far and everything that you will do, Lord. It's in Jesus' name we pray, Lord. Amen and amen. Come on, one more time. Would you put your hands together for Jesus in his place? Amen. Thank you, Sid. Hey, last uh, couple Sundays ago, last Sunday was absolutely amazing as my pastor, Dr. Rich Wilkerson, was able to share a word um, that I believe was prophetic in nature to the season of where we are as a church. A week before that, um, I shared a message, and I've I kind of been doing this series of messages, um, but one of the things that happened immediately after, I'm usually out there shaking hands and saying hi to people. Um, that Sunday, I actually had to run out and fly to Texas um, because we actually were a part of an organization called Mike Barber Ministries. And so what we did was that we went to Texas um, to a, a prison that's called the Beto Unit, right? And so... Uh, how many of y'all remember a few weeks, a few months ago, remember I went to another prison, remember I talked to y'all? What we ended up doing is that this prison now um, is one of the most violent prisons in the state of Texas. And so what they're doing is because of so much violence, because of the drugs that they've been using, they have a drug called K2 um, and then fentanyl. And these guys are overdosing. They're doing things outside of their character because they're on drugs. Um, but the gangs are also rampant in there and there's so much violence that's going on. So uh, C.F. Hazelwood, he is the director of chaplains along 
along with the governor of Texas, as well as the, uh, the prison, the director of prisons, they got together and they were like, yo, what can we do right now? And Hazelwood said, we need Jesus. He said, we need Jesus. I mean, you've tried stuff. you tried programming. You've tried everything. I, 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 if you allow for me, here's what I think we should do. I think we should go to every single prison and we should start thing called, a thing called the life coaches and field ministers. And what we're going to do is we're going to train these individuals. And once we train them, they're going to be evangelists and they're going to be pastors along with the chaplain in their collective prison. But also, I want to take them. And if you would allow for me, I would love to take every single one of these inmates that are in 20-something prisons, and we're going to pick one prison. And what's going to happen is we're going to bring Mike Barber Ministries, we're going to set up a stage, sound, we're going to set up everything, screens, and we're going to preach Jesus. But the caveat is that we're going to bring these inmates from all these other prisons, and they're going to go cell to cell, and they're going to go, and they're going to talk to people and invite them to the services. We'll do five services, actually six services, Monday through Saturday at 12.30 p.m. and then at 6 p.m. And we're going to do these two services, bring these inmates, they evangelize, bring everybody in, and then we just have church. Can I tell you that when we did that, when we did that, the little golf clapping, y'all gonna clap, y'all gonna clap. This little golf clap, it's not how we do at Greater Church. We don't do the praise the Lord, brother. Yeah. Can I tell you that in that, in a prison of over 2,500 inmates, 3,500 inmates, we saw close to 800 inmates give their life to Jesus in one single week. I'm talking to the I'm talking to the to the to the director of chaplains and he's like Chino thank you I preached three services that my voice was gone he was like Chino I need you to preach now I was like hey let's go hey and God's you know what's crazy is that I had a conversation with him I was like this is the second prison what happened to the first prison he's like Chino we changed it the the murders have been down the fights have been down the drug use has been down he says Chino but that's not even the icing on the cake the icing on the cake is that all these field ministers and life coaches, they trained disciples when they left. They trained disciples, which is what they do. And when they went back to their collective prison, they left guys inside of the campus. And what happened inside of the campus is that they kept preaching Jesus and having church services. We have three services on Sunday completely jammed. We can't fill them. We can't keep, we, we have them in the outside and they're standing outside watching because of what Jesus is doing. And you know, you know what's even crazier? He said 11 guards have given their life to Jesus since then one of the captains one of the captains in the prison went and said hey man went and grabbed one of the ladies that was there she's a regional director grabbed her and told one of the inmates hey can you come in this room real quick hey listen I don't know what's going on in this place but I need that and if it's Jesus I've never I don't even know about I just need Jesus in my life and opened up her heart and they led her to Jesus right there in the captain's office a captain in a prison with inmates that ain't got no business, according to society, doing anything good. What I want to show you is that this thing called the body of Jesus Christ, it makes up so many different members. And for so long, we've allowed for certain men and certain women to take places of prestige. And these individuals are the ones that we look at and we say, well, they're the ones that are supposed to do it. When in reality, the church of Jesus Christ was never about there. It was about me. It was about the call and the mandate that God placed on your life. When Jesus left, he left and he didn't just empower the disciples and say, it's only going to be you guys and you guys are going to be it. No, no. In John chapter 7, one of his final corporate prayers, he says, I'm not only praying for them, but for those that will come after them and believe that they would be one as you and I are one, God and the Father, that the world would believe that you sent me, right? So the gospel, right? 
that Jesus would leave heaven, that he would live a sinless life, that he would die for our sins, three days later resurrect the gospel, the good news. It's illustrated when you and I are one as him and the Father are one. When unity is present, when we understand it's not about height or depth, it's not about the big man of God, and it's not about the woman of God, or it's not about you who are a working hard mom, you stay at home, you do everything you can to raise your kids right, you're doing the very same ministry that I'm doing when I'm grabbing the microphone. I've just been talented, I've just been discipled, I've just been mentored, I've just been shaped, I have experience in doing this side of it. But I'll give this thing up in a split second. You've seen some incredible communicators that are right here inside of this church. They can probably do this thing a lot better than I can. I'm never going to sit here and hoard this thing like, yo, this church belongs to me. Yo, we are the body of Jesus Christ. We are the kingdom of God. And so we do this thing together, right? So the hope and, the, and, the, and, the, and what I'm trying to paint for you is that you got individuals who have life sentences. Individuals who did heinous crimes, who have completely transformed, and I know it's hard for you to understand it or fathom it, but they've been broken by Jesus. And now they love Jesus so much, and they're doing the work of the ministry. Our job and our responsibility is to do the work of the ministry. Hopefully, you're catching my drift and understanding that it's on you. Nobody else is coming. It's on the kingdom. It's on you and I. Hello, my name is Revival. It's not an event. It's a person, and that person is you. Scripture talks about Peter and John and the disciples and Jesus has walked with them for 33, or walked with them for three years. He's lived on the earth for 33 years. He's discipled them for three years, taught them. And then he has some final marching orders. The end of it, when he's talking to the disciples face to face, he's about to be lifted up and go to heaven. He sits there and he speaks to the disciples for 40 days. And the, what he tells them is, I want you to go wait for me in the upper room. And then he says, I'm going to give you the resources. I'm going to give you the power to do everything that I'm asking you to. But what I want you to do is I want you to be my witnesses in Judea, Samaria, Jerusalem, and to the ends of the earth. I want you to be my witnesses. When you think about the judicial system, right? When you think about a courtroom, there's a, a prosecutor, there's a judge, there's a lawyer, and then that fourth component is a witness, right? And depending on the witness's testimony, uh, at times, an inmate will be either exonerated, meaning that they would be found not guilty, or they would be condemned, meaning that they are condemned, they are guilty because of the witness of somebody. Our job and our responsibility is not to condemn anybody. Our job and our responsibility is not to be the prosecutor, nor to be the judge of people. Our job and our, or nor to defend people. Our, our job and our responsibility is to be the witnesses, because this is what I mean by defend. What I mean by defend is that Jesus He's the lawyer. Outside of human hands, there is a devil that is accusing the brethren at every single moment. There is a devil that's accusing you at every single moment. When you wake up in the morning and that little whisper in your ear, why are you even going to church? You know what you did yesterday? You're not the husband that you think you are. You are not the wife that you think you are. You're letting these people affront and you're fake and you have the enemy whispering in your ear. That is the accuser. But we got a Jesus, y'all, that broke the chains of the enemy, that speaks life into you, that loves you, that understands you you but now as he has poured himself into you he's called you to be my witness I want you to talk about me you got a mandate and a responsibility for some of us that's sharing our story for some of us we have broken and have hit such low lows that just our story will produce life in the in will produce life in other people's lives just what God has done in our own personal life will produce life in somebody else's because they're like yo if you made it through that man, what I'm going through ain't that bad. I know God can do something through me. We're to be witnesses. Peter, after 
watching Jesus ascend. They go into the upper room and 120 of them are in there. And scripture says that the Holy Spirit goes in there and we've unpacked all of these things and the Holy Spirit came in and it was like a rushing wind and tongues of fire set upon them. And after that, there were people outside, about 5,000 people outside that were listening to them as they're speaking in tongues. That's how loud they were speaking. That they say, yo, these people drunk. They tore down from the flow down way too early. <laughs> Because they heard them speaking in their own language and they were like, yo, what kind of wild Irish rose are they on? You know what I'm saying? Like, I need some of that. <laughs> and scripture says that they were laughing and all of a sudden Peter, mind you, Peter, which is the one that a little girl, a little girl told them, ain't you one of those Jesus people? A little girl intimidated him so much that he denied Jesus. If you deny me before men, I will deny you before the fathers, what Jesus said. Peter denies God in front of this little girl. But not only does the grace of God meet him where he was at, but the spirit of God enables him that while he was intimidated by a little girl, he's all of a sudden now sitting there boldly preaching to thousands of people. He gets up and he says, hey guys, you think that we're drinking, but now nah, we're not drinking. Let me tell you a little story about this guy named Jesus. The Jesus that you killed, this is what he did in our lives. And he began to preach. Scripture says that at that very moment, over 3,000 people were cut to their heart. And they were, I need to get saved. What do we do? We need to give our life to Jesus. And the church grew from 120 to over 3,000 in that very moment with a guy who was intimidated by a little girl. But because of the Holy Spirit in his life, all of a sudden now he's preaching to the crowds. And he saw a massive harvest happen because he decided to trust the Holy Spirit that was living inside of him. He begins to speak. And what does he do after that? He goes to GoDaddy and he starts his new LLC nonprofit. <laughs> Peter the Apostle Ministries Incorporated. And you had a drop down arrow where you can get different prayer cloths. There was a red one, which had the anointing of Jesus. There was a blue one, which was the anointing of the wind. So wherever you walk, like the wind anoints. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Peter didn't do any of that weird crap. Peter said, I got something in me that I'm filled with that I'm about to be spilled with. I got something inside of me that fills me to be spilled. Scripture says that what he does is that he goes back to church. It was 3 p.m. And he goes back. Some of y'all remember, some of y'all remember ending church. Y'all started church at 8 a.m. How many of y'all remember that and left church at 4 p.m.? 3 p.m. after the 14th benediction. And the Lord said, let's read the Bible. We're going to read Psalm 91 for the 14th time. In between every song. Y'all remember, some of y'all, some of y'all looking like, Y'all heathens, y'all haven't been in church for a long time. Some of y'all remember what it was like, five o'clock, you're like, mom, I'm hungry, man. Like, I got this Jesus thing, I got it, I know it, I get it. And then you went to eat, and what'd you do? You went right back to church. <laughs> Sister Beatrice calling you out, give me the gum. Give me the gum. I saw what you did yesterday. It's like, <laughs> 3 p.m., scripture says they, they go to church. And when they go to church, there was an individual that was sitting on the outside of the church who had been lame from his birth. There's a couple of things that I look at him and it breaks my heart to see. Number one is that why is there somebody who is lame, meaning that from birth he was never able to walk. I want you to keep that in your mind. He was never able to walk. He's been lame since birth. So he's just laid there his entire life, never been able to walk. Yet the very place that has the power and the resource to be able to produce healing in his life He's right outside of the door. I can't imagine it. It would be like a person with a broken finger, with a bloody nose, a person with a broken hand to be outside of a hospital. It's incredible to think that if a doctor or nurse saw somebody that was hurt outside of a hospital, 
the amount of individuals who will rush out to their aid is incredible. But yet on a daily in church, we watch outside of these doors, broken, hurting people. And the church just sits there and just, yeah, that's somebody else's business. When God has given us the resources, he's given us the authority. He's given us the power to be able to step into these places. But sometimes we just look at them that are outside the door and like, bro, are you crippled? You okay there, buddy? Follow me on MySpace, okay? And what, what we tend to do is that we tend to do what the rest of the church did. Men and women were passing by him. What's sad about this lame man is that the scripture says that for 40 years, 40 years, he was 40 years old, and people were lifting him out of his bed, bringing him and placing him down, picking him back up, taking him home. And I can only imagine the conversations when they got to the, how much you got? What you got? What you, you got 40 shekels? I don't even know. 50 shekels? What you get? Uh, tomorrow, I, I need you to cry. Can you cry? Can you do it? Just watch. Need you, you're going to cry, okay? And then they, they would grab him and they would bring him back to the temple. Scripture says that men, and they would bring him and drop him off every single day. What's crazy about this is that there's people that profit from your brokenness. There's people in your own personal life that they're not trying to help you out because they don't want you to get ahead. They want you to be right there with you. And you start to see this kind of culture and trends, even in church, even in church life, there's people that, man, I got a call in my life. Man, I feel like the Lord put something in my heart. You better stop. You didn't go to next steps. Like, what are you thinking? Like, you know how bad you are? Listen, stop. You can't do that. I want to go to Bible college. What money? What, what Bible college are you going to go to? You better get on the YouTube and listen to somebody preach. But you ain't going nowhere. And people will hold you down to benefit them so that they have their prestige. And they have their insecurities that are masked by boldness, that's masked by authority. And people will hold you down for some of the people in your life that you know exactly who I'm talking about. Outside of a husband or wife, we can talk about that. You need to hit that delete button. But beyond hitting the delete button, you got to stop allowing people to create your identity with the words that they have over your life. You are not a broken, lame individual. Lame, you couldn't move. You can't go anywhere. Your future's stuck. You go to work every single day. $15 an hour seems like a big deal to you. That is not who God called you to be. Do not allow for people to minimize you and the call that God has placed over your life. Your mom and your dad were this way. That doesn't mean that I'm this way. Your uncle was the same way. You just like your daddy. No, I am. You're right. I'm just like my daddy, God. I look like Jesus. I got an authority inside of me. I got a life inside of me. I got things. I got creativity. There's things that I'm going to do that you'll never be able to do and you can't keep holding me down with your words whether they're physical or they're past words because they shaped our life and there's things that people have said that we're still yeah I'm gonna be just like I'm gonna get a divorce the same way he did because it's the same thing he told me I never amount to nothing the words that were given over me time and time again as a kid you're gonna either end up in prison or you're going to die everybody my teachers told me that my mom told me that and I love her to death she was instrumental in me coming to Jesus but I mean so many different people told me that I was 13 years old and I got hit by a car that's why I got the scar on my neck it's not a hickey the hickey's on the other side no no I'm like, <laughs> I'm lying. My wife doesn't give me hickeys. <laughs> but I got, that's not a hickey. That's a scar. My neck is scarred. In that car accident, I had three cardiac arrests while I was, I died. When I was 19 years old, I went to prison for five years because of some mistakes that I made as a gang member because of some fights that I got into. I went to prison. Both of the words that were spoken over me, they actually happened. 
But can I tell you, they didn't shape who I am because it was in the darkest moment that I found Jesus. It was in that prison cell that I started to preach. The reason why I go back to those prisons is because I was in there with them. I know exactly what it's like to stand up for the truth when nobody around you, when you got to be bold for faith, when it's not just going and talking about your problems, but when you're watching people with life sentences and you have to look at them in the face and say, you might die here, but you can live forever. That changes the game. I've been there. And so my life was transformed there. Fast forward a couple of years. And now I'm on a platform and we started a church and God has completely wrecked and changed my life. But I was that lame man that people kept saying, Chino, let's go. We're going to the club. Hey, Chino, come on. Hey, let's go do this. Hey, Chino, let's go do that. And it came a moment where I had a Peter and a John that walked by. And scripture said that they looked directly at him. And that this man looked up like expecting to get something. He was like, hey, let me hold son. <laughs> and they looked, they gazed at him. Etenizo. That word gazed is, uh, that word gazed is the very same word that they use when you watch National Geographics. I was watching this the other day. I don't know why randomly. I was sitting there watching this a couple days ago. And there was a lion. And he was, there was so many hyenas around him. And he was just sitting there quietly just waiting. And just watching. He was just staring at one of them. And then he grabbed one of them and then he came back and just, again, just stared and then grabbed another one and then just stared and just was there. And that gaze is what it needs to look like in the body of Jesus Christ. That when I wake up in the morning, I'm not staring at this thing right here. But then my eyes start to say, yo, God, who do you want me to talk to today? What that, that coworker that gets on my absolute nerves, bro. You need to start st staring at him. Just start looking at him. Why, why is he so angry all the time? Well, he's angry all the time because his dad walked out on his mom and he watched him beat his mom in ways that you couldn't imagine and hit him so much that now he, nobody's ever going to touch me. Nobody's ever going to touch my family. And there is an anger that's produced because of the past pain that he had. And your responsibility and your job is just to look. What's going on there? And God will begin to reveal those things to you. Now, all of a sudden, you could bring the word of hope. Hey, bro, can I take you to lunch? For what? I ain't trying to buy no Herbalife. I ain't got Herbalife, bro. Can I, I got you. I'm going to take care. Let's go to lunch. And then just sit down. Yo, tell me your story. And now all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit that's living inside of you will begin to speak to him in ways that you ain't got to be weird. You don't have to do, you don't have to have a microphone and preach and have an entire sermon prepared. Your story is the sermon that people need to hear. Hey, I, I know that that broke you, but you know what happened in my life. Let me just, let me just share with you a little bit. There's an assignment. There's there's an authority. There's a power over you. Weeks we've been talking about this thing. I'm trying not to preach emotional and I'm trying to like give it to you because I want you to understand this, but not only understand it, but be able to grasp this thing. This man is, is on the side of the, of the church, laying from birth. People are taking advantage of him. Peter and them, they look at him and they say, yo, I'm going to gaze at you. And then they turn to him and they say, silver and gold I do not have. But what I do have, I now give to you. Rise in the name of Jesus Christ. What they did was that they took what was temporary from this man. This man wanted the temporary, right? The booty call. You know what I mean? The, the, the quick fix, the donut. The suicide. The, the quick fix, the, the temporary. I just need something. To, I just need I, one blunt. I just need a couple of shots. I, I just need to, you know, just one time. I'm just, just, just a little bit. The, the temporary that always turns into permanent damage and always creates permanent mishap and, and mayhem. But they look at him and they're like, I know you want a couple of dollars. 
And I guarantee you that they had dollars. But they said to him, I don't have silver and gold, but what I do have, I now give you in Jesus Christ's name. Take up your bed. He gets up and this guy is healed, right? Spoiler alert. You read the story. You know what's crazy about that? Is that in exchange for the temporary, they gave him the permanent. And this man was healed. Think about this. This man who had been lame for 40 years, he was paralyzed, got up and walked. We're going to talk about that in a second. This man was paralyzed, got up and walked. Do you understand that it wasn't Peter that spoke that healing into his life? Do you understand that it was the name of Jesus Christ? The very same name that you were singing about when you were worshiping a few minutes ago? The very same name that when you all hell broke loose in your life. Jesus, help me! And all of a sudden, you're still here. Your heart is beating. Your marriage is still alive. You're still good because of the name of Jesus. But the very same power that they carried in that name, you still hold it in your hand. It's living in your heart. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 16 says, don't you know that you are the temple of the living God and that the spirit of God lives inside of you? That you have the authority, the ability to be able to speak life into people's broken places. And when they are stuck, you have the way to break their chains so that they can begin to walk forward in the life and God calling over their life. And it's just with the name of Jesus. But what ends up happening is that we tend to look at stuff like that and we're like, yo, Emily, Emily's an incredible singer and we listen to singing on worship and, and Greg and it's like, oh my God, those, they can sing. Me, I sing in the key of Y. <laughs> it's my favorite jokes. It's my favorite jokes. I sing solo, y'all. Solo, you can't hear me. No, in reality, I remember I used to, I used to be a, a tenor in the choir, Joe. Tenor, 20 miles down the road. I got them for days, y'all. I got them for days. I can keep going. I can keep going. I'm not going to do it. We got to move. I got to move. <laughs> But we tend to look at the worship leaders and we're like, oh my gosh, like they have real talent. You know what I mean? Look at that. They, uh, they do all of that stuff. Me, I don't got that talent. And what happens is that we begin to relegate the things of God, church, to that. And we're like, man, I'm not as holy as they are. Man, I'm not as good as they. I don't read my Bible as much. Who cares, bro? Do you understand that the man that raised that guy up and spoke life was the name of Jesus? But that guy right there denied Jesus three different times. He cut somebody's ear off. He went to cussing. Hey, do you know Jesus? Beep, beep. I don't beep, beep. That beep, 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 beep. And Jesus is still living inside of him because it has little to do with you and so much more to do with what's inside of you. It's the Jesus living in you. And if you can stop looking at yourself, your brokenness, your mess ups, if you can stop being so daggone selfish and conceited, only looking at yourself and how broken you are, and you walk away from yourself and say, man, there's a big Jesus that's living inside of me, things begin to change. Because now all of a sudden you start walking with a boldness. Let me just try this. Let me, let me just, let me just try this. Hey man, I just wanted to pray for you. Can I pray for you? Yeah, pray for me. All of a sudden you pray for somebody and they're bawling. <laughs> they're doing this part here. And you're like, what the heck did I say? And God bless you. And you walking away like, geez, what the heck did I just say? Because you allowed for something that's living inside of you that's so much bigger than you to actually take control of your life. Some of y'all remember nights where you allowed some stuff that was inside of you to take control of you. And those are some wild nights. You affected people's lives. You did things you wouldn't think of doing when you were under the influence. How much more when you allow for the Holy Spirit to live inside of you and you begin to actually believe this stuff that it's not just for the pastor, that it's not just for the leaders, that it's not just for the worship team, but that, yo, that Jesus lives inside of me. I, I can do that? Yes. Yes, you can. 
Silver and gold I do not have, but what I do have, I now give you in the name of Jesus Christ. Get up and walk. And the Bible says something very peculiar and weird. It says that in that moment, that man, his ankles were strengthened and he got up. That doesn't make sense. Because how many of y'all do physical therapy? Physical therapy. Physical therapy. There's a couple of y'all physical therapy. Listen to what this says. Then Peter said, silver and gold I do not have, but what I do I give you in the name of Jesus Christ. Rise up and walk. And he took him by the hand and lifted him up. And immediately his ankles received strength. And he leaped up, stood, walked, leaping. These are not prerequisites to an individual who has been lame his entire life. If you've been lame your entire life, for some of y'all remember when you've gone through some type of physical injury, like you, you had a, a, a surgery or ACL, something broke, you know that the steps back were hard. Some of y'all have broken collarbones and shoulders and you know what it was like to actually have to, oh, the devil hates me. You know what I mean? Like all of that, like, God, why you forsake? You know what it's like to wake up in the middle of the night with so much pain in your leg. You're like, yo, give me three Percocets. You know what I'm saying? Y'all holy, y'all holy. Y'all don't do that. I did honey and tea, Chino. I didn't do Percocets. And you know, and you know what it, and you know what it, you know what it feels like to have to rehab and then you, you start to walk and you just, you know what I'm saying? And you, this man immediately, scripture says that his ankles were strengthened. He bypassed every step, every physical therapy, something that he could not do. He did immediately without even being taught how to do it. He never learned how to walk. He was lame since birth. But when God gets inside of you, all of a sudden now you'll start preaching sermons. You'll start writing stuff that you're like, yo, what did I just write right now? Why am I saying these things? Because God will bypass all of the man-made laws that religion has tried to place before you. You got to do this before you do that. And you have to do this and you got to go to church and you got to go to next steps. And then you got to talk to the pastor and you, man, God has given you a ministry and a call. And there's gifts inside of you that been there since the beginning because the gifts of God come without repentance. They already been stored up inside of you. But it takes a moment with Jesus and the name of Jesus to all of a sudden strengthen areas that were broken, lame, that you didn't even think you could move. Some of us, we feel like that's, those are the marriages that we're in. And our marriage has been stuck for the last two years or the last 13 years. And we talk a little bit and we have sex and we parent. But if I'm honest with you, it just feels like it's just lame. Can I tell you, you just need the word of Jesus, man. You just need the name of Jesus. Please understand that that's not just a quick little bypass. Yeah, you know, that sounds cute. No, there's so much more attached to it. Because when you begin to call on the name of Jesus, those very demons that have been assigned over your marriage, they begin to break. All of a sudden now you start looking at your wife, not as somebody you're fighting with, but as the spouse that God gave you to be able to lead her in Jesus. You start looking at your husband, not as the one that keeps you from church, but the very reason why you got to keep praying for him. And he's the one that brings the family and now all of a sudden both of y'all are in ministry but it starts with the name of Jesus not the name of greater church not the name of Chino this is a church as an entity we're the body of Jesus Christ we're part of the kingdom of God we do this thing together but it starts with Jesus if you involve Jesus the lame places in your life start to come alive scripture said this man's ankle and he starts to run and to leap he never ran he never leaped. He never did any of these things. Y'all saw me skip. <laughs> yeah, I can do it. Take that, tic-tac. <laughs> and, he, and he starts to skip. He never learned that. You never learn what the book of Habakkuk says. Or the book of Hezekiah. You never read that book. And neither did I because it's not in the Bible. <laughs> but, but you begin to bypass steps. 
But then something beautiful happens when you bypass these steps. Scripture says that he began to walk and he begins to leap, praising God. Watch this. And all the people who saw him walking and praising God, then they knew that it was he who sat begging alms at the gate beautiful of the temple. And they were filled with wonder and amazing at what had happened. There were people, I mean, that sucks to think that the people that he's talking about were the people that were inside of the church. And they knew who that lame man was. And they knew that he was an individual that was lame from birth. And they didn't do anything about it. It breaks my heart to think that there's a next door neighbor to you that is dealing with so many depression, suicide, anxiety, thoughts. And we haven't had that conversation with them about Jesus. And what happens is that we, we get, my God, like, yo, I don't want to be intrusive. Intrusive. Or you turn on, I could, if I turn on my Instagram, right, just for a second, like, you, you ever watch Netflix? Intrusive? You ever get in the car and just listen to some of the ads? Have you drove by and just looked up? Some of y'all holy, y'all don't watch Netflix, y'all don't listen to the radio, only 104.7 The Fish, but have you ever, and you looked at just the dental office picture sometimes, you're like, yo, I ain't got nothing to do with teeth. <laughs> she got two teeth that are sticking out. Whoa. What? You think the devil is not being intrusive? Do you understand what's happening to some of our children even in schools, man? Do you understand some of the stuff that they're learning and that they're being taught under the pretense of education? Yo, I'm not on my soapbox. I'm not a polit... I hate politics. I, listen, if you, and if you're in politics, I love you. And I, I love you. But when I was a kid, two things that were crooked was politicians and lawyers. And if you're either one of those, we love you, both of them. You, I love you. We have great lawyers in our church and great politicians, and we love you. But please understand, man, that I never sided with a political regime. I side with the kingdom of God, y'all. I'm a, I'm a kingdom man. I'm not a Republican. I'm not a Democrat. I'm a kingdom man. I believe in Jesus, and I believe in his way of doing it. I want to help children be born and not aborted, but I also want to take care of that 16-year-old girl that don't have no money to pay for health care. I want to be able to bless her. Nobody's ever going to tell me that I can't do both of them. Sorry, I'm off my soapbox. I'm off my soapbox. But I, I, I want to show you something. I completely forgot what I was saying with that. I don't like politicians. And they were begging him. People saw him. I got on my soapbox and I went left way. People saw him and they knew who he was. And they knew that they can help them, but they didn't. And all they did was just walk by him on a daily basis, knowing that they had a word that they can share with him because Jehovah, his name is still Jehovah Rapha, right? So they knew that Jehovah Rapha, my, my healer, they knew that Jehovah Rapha can heal him. They even had customs around healing, but yet they thought to themselves, you know what? We're just going to keep walking and keep doing life. And that's what I was saying. Can you continue to do life knowing that your neighbor is so broken and so depressed so filled with so much stuff. And God has given you an ability not to just, oh, we let the pastors do that. But no, that's, that's my responsibility. Yo, I don't want to pastor a church, man. I'm done with this. I'll make, here's my huge announcement. I'm done pastoring a church. I've done this on August 13th. It's, man, actually, we, I just celebrated 23 years of ministry of doing this. I don't want to, yeah. It's cute. I quit. 
I quit. I'm, this is my letter of resignation. Look, put the camera on me. I quit. I don't want to do this anymore. I'm, I'm tired. Um, I'm not tired. I'm actually so filled with energy. I'm good, but I quit. My job and my responsibility, my hope, my desire, my, my, my zeal, what's burning in my heart is not just to pastor a church. I want to pastor a city. I want to pastor a community. I want people to be able to walk in here and just because they do or don't go to church, they do or don't know Jesus, like I want them to understand that there's a place for them. And that Chino, Jason, Allison, Lydia, that not everybody in here, that's my family. That I have, I have a family that I could come around with. I have a community. Somebody say community. I got a community around me. I want us to not keep our eyes on a Sunday checklist where we come to church at 9.30 or 11.15, starting a couple Sundays. Next Sunday, be here at 10.30. If you, you come earlier, you're going to get on team and we're going to help you set stuff up. <laughs> you can do that too. <laughs> but I want to be able to, I want to walk into this place and, Man, I want to watch our community in this place, but I don't want my Jesus to be relegated from this altar to that back door. On Monday, I want Jesus inside of me and I want to pastor people. On Tuesday, I want people that are broken and so far, I don't want them to run the Prozac or Percocet. I want them to be able to come and say, hey, can you pray for me? I want people to be able to identify me as a Jesus man. I want people to look at me and say, yo, when my life is upside down, I know where I can go at. I want people to be able to look at, and I'm hoping that you're saying this about yourself, that when you know that there's your auntie and your uncle and they've been going through it and they've known you since you were a baby, that you can step in the middle of that and say, hey, can I tell you something? My pastor said this, and I want to ask you this question. Do you got Jesus in your heart? Man, we're trying to figure, let me get your hands right up. Father, I pray right now and I bind the devil over this family, Lord God. I rebuke every plan over them, Lord. And Listen, here's what we're going to do. We're going to read the book of Psalms together. And we're just going to take every one time a week. Can we get together before y'all break up, before y'all call it a day? Can we just, can we read this book together? Can we just talk once a week? And all of a sudden, a 19-year-old got an assignment over their life. And now they're starting to produce change in people's lives. Because you understood that it's not about you or your age or your pedigree or your race or your political affiliation. It's all about the Jesus that's living inside of you. Now you begin to pastor a city. Now you begin to pastor a family. Now you begin to pastor a state. Now you begin to pastor a school, a grade level. Things change when you understand the assignment that God has placed over you. So yeah, I quit. I want us to all be a part of this thing. And I want us to pastor this city well. Scripture says that Peter looks down at them. And I'm going to jump down real quick. With, and scripture says that Peter looks down at them. And he says, silver and gold I do not have. But what I do have, I now give you in the name of Jesus. Right? And then the Bible says that he reaches down his hand. It's going to take us getting a little dirty. It's not, it's not just talk. It's, I need to put my hand involved in some stuff. I got to get my hands dirty. Here's what he did. He said, silver and, do, and gold I do not have, but what I do have I now give you. And then scripture says all of a sudden he stood to his feet and immediately he was healed. You know what this looks like, right? Jesus was the one that was doing all this work before. But now Peter. Wait, the baton was passed? Yeah, because what's living inside? Jesus inside of him now. And what happens is that you understand this. In the name of Jesus, get up. In the name of Jesus, get up. Nah, George, yeah. I think you're going. 
right look look right there Emily. and this is what the kingdom of God looks like when we begin to hold ourselves up when we begin to lift each other up when we don't tear each other down no more because of what we believe or what we don't believe but we understand the gospel of Jesus is about lifting people up and not tearing them down something changes inside of us and all of a sudden we become revivals y'all we become living walking revivals where we start to see people's lives get changed because our hands got a little dirty when we lifted somebody up out of the mess that they were in Chino I'm in a mess well can I introduce you to the mess cleaner his name is Jesus that the very same way that he said silver and gold I do not have but in the name of Jesus get up and walk I can tell you the same thing to your life and for some of you in this place you feel like you're that lame man and you feel like my future has been stuck Chino I've been stuck here for 13 years Chino I've been stuck here since he did that to me I haven't been able to move forward Chino, since she left me, I haven't been able to take this step. Chino, since he said that or they did that, I feel like I've just been a lame man and I just, man, I just can't walk. Today, can I tell you that there's a Jesus that wants to set you free. There's a Jesus that wants to reach his hands towards you and find you exactly where you are. Would you do me a favor and would you bow your head and close your eyes for just a second? Thanks for listening to our podcast today. The mission of Greater Church is to reach and empower all people. And we hope that this message met you wherever you find yourself on the journey. If God is using this ministry to impact your life, please head to our website at www.greater.church where you can